Welcome into Loho Daily. I am Loho, aka Lawrence Holmes. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. On Saturdays, we do previews of Bears games, and we try to go as in-depth as we can and try to make this as fun of a listening experience for you on the podcast as we absolutely can. Bears are matched up against the Atlanta Falcons this weekend. On paper, it looks like Advantage Bears. I haven't even taken a look at what the numbers say as far as the betting lines go, but on paper, you see an, a 2-0 and team even going on the road, and going on the road doesn't mean what it used to mean in the time of COVID, but a 2-0 and team going on the road versus an 0-2 team and a team that has had a couple of uh, baffling disasters already in the Atlanta Falcons. Here are some of my concerns. My concerns are that the Bears' offense, while... I think making progress, and it's a weird thing to say about an offense that doesn't score a lot, but I think their offense is making real progress because of some of the willingness that they have to be more diverse. And it takes a little bit of time to figure some of this stuff out. But when your run game is averaging over four yards a carry, I think that that is definitely worth noting. And this is a defense that they're going up against with the Falcons, that's going to allow for there to be some more movement, to be some more really big plays that the Bears can make in their run game. It's going to be a story until it's a story the other way. And I like that it's a it's a story right now that's very positive for the Bears. It shows some growth in their head coach. It shows that maybe they did make some of the right decisions on their coaching staff. Now, it's too early to make that conclusion but it is worth continuing to watch to see if the trend of them being able to run the ball and being willing to run the ball is sustainable and right now they've been very successful at it Anthony Heron joins me every Monday on the show at one o'clock and we talk about different facets of of the game and I love talking with Anthony because he's sharp He gets it. He pays attention. He's covering that team closely. He also has his own experience, both in the NFL and at Iowa, to draw back on. He's been intrigued by what the Bears have done with their run game. So have I. So we talked a little bit about that. And here's what he thinks is the significant reason that you're seeing the Bears have success when they're trying to run the ball. Well, he's had it at his, at his disposal. He just hadn't necessarily used it as frequently as, as one might think he should, certainly as I have thought he should, looking at last season specifically. But I think that I think it's more the attitude of the coach than the players because getting Mitch under center uh, more frequently this season, that, that enhances the you know schematically how you can operate with the run game. It adds some rhythm to the passing attack as well. But – it almost forces a downhill charge from the backs in a way that being offset from a shotgun quarterback does not. And a big issue I had while David Montgomery's talents were apparent last season was just the, the path that he would tend to take as a ball carrier and not having a more immediate vertical charge as he was receiving the ball. So you got a QB under center and that running back in a neutral, what we call a neutral position directly behind him. Now that running back's path takes him immediately towards the line of scrimmage as opposed to having to step laterally, step sideways, and then after gathering his, his base, 
try to get some momentum generated vertically. That not only has suited David Montgomery well, even though, again, he was a, a zone scheme back and had a lot of gun offset stuff in, in his spread looks that he was running at Iowa State. Here's a pro. Being back there in that neutral position and, and getting more immediately towards the line of scrimmage, that sef- certainly seems to suit David Montgomery better than what I've seen in just over a season as a Bears back. The O-line, I don't necessarily think the mentality of the O-line is very different. I mean, Juan Castillo as the de facto run game coordinator, Matt Nagy being willing to call runs that suit that. Like, we didn't see as much of J.P. Holtz playing fullback in this particular matchup as we did in week one, but we saw some of that. It was more in the second half of this past game than it was in the first game, but I didn't necessarily have a big issue with the O-line. My issue last year was Matt Nagy uh, calling run plays and the path the running backs were taking. So I think the O-line is really kind of doing what they had the capabilities to do last year. I believe there are other sort of periphery elements that are allowing the O-line to perform better. When I look at the Falcons' defense, I don't see a lot of run stoppers on it. Honestly, when I'm looking at the Falcons' defense, there isn't a lot. And it's weird because Dan Quinn is a defensive coach. He comes from the Seattle school. It's supposed to be the Legion of Boom gone south, down in the dirty. And they haven't really been able to do that. They've got some players to worry about. Don't get me wrong. There are a couple players on that defense that I like a lot. Grady Jarrett is a problem in the middle of their defensive line. And Dante Fowler is still really, really good. But overall, I don't trust their linebacking core to make plays enough. And I think that the Bears have a chance to be able to run against them. And they can keep doing what they were doing until they figure out what happens in their pass game. I actually think it's not a terrible idea overall for the Bears to try to run the ball and try to keep the ball out of Matt Ryan's hands. Because I don't I don't know if they're going to be able to 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 handle playing in a shootout format with them. This Falcons defense gives up seven yards of play. Think about that. Seven yards of play. Their offense is one of the most prolific, and their offense is getting six yards of play. But they're giving up almost seven yards of play. And they're giving up almost a little over four yards per carry. So there's an opportunity there for the Bears to to get loose and, and do some things against a defense that doesn't have any real household names to it. And you've seen over the last two games, their opponents are, are scoring 39 a game on them. So there's a chance for the Bears offense to get a little fat and happy against a Falcons team that struggles to stop their opponent. A couple things about that. And let's talk about the ways that the Bears can do this. I went back and watched their first game of the season the Seattle game, because I didn't get a chance. I saw some of the highlights, but I didn't get a real chance to to watch it as thoroughly as I wanted to. So when I was watching that game Saturday morning, I think that there are some things from that game that the Bears can use effectively, similarly to what Seattle did. Now, you don't have Russ. I don't know if there's a let, let Mitch Cook 
movement that's going on out there. But I do think that in looking at what Seattle did, there were a couple option runs that I think Mitch could get a chunk play on. Russ did it. He put the linebacker in conflict on whether he was going to pitch or keep. And he went for, I think, like 20, 24 yards on the play. I also think that play action is a big deal. Let's ex- let's see if the Bears can exploit that linebacker play or lack of linebacker play that the Falcons have by using play action. The Bears have been doing a better job of setting up play action and then giving Mitch the space to make some plays in play action. They've fallen in love, and this is a tendency. And I wonder if they worked on this. There is a tendency that I took note of last week, and it ended up playing out. I felt like a very smart football man. The Bears were using play action and then running like these 12 to 15-yard hooks in the middle of the field, and Mitch was getting them. And I was just wondering, it was, it was just a matter of time before some coaches like, okay, I've seen that twice now. The next time that we see this look or this formation off play action, let's have our DBs drive downhill. That happened, and the Giants ended up with an interception on that play. It's clear that that's where Mitch, and I think, I, I mean, I'm not trying to knock Mitch. I think it's where most quarterbacks feel the most comfortable Play action, let's freeze a linebacker. Well, where's the open space? Well, the open space is in the middle of the field. Let's try to make a play in the middle of the field. And it came back to haunt them. But let's talk about play action, and let's talk about it a little bit more in depth. Matt Nagy was talking, I think it was uh, Dan Weederer who was asking the, the questions here, about play action and why he thinks it's been effective for the Bears and how he hopes it continues to be effective for Mitch and the Bears. Probably the biggest thing is just staying on time is, you know, snapping that head and eyes around and then locating, um, you know, the the post safety or the two safeties and understanding where that, that that's where it all starts. And and he's been doing a really good job. I think when you look at tape, you notice he, he's, or, you know, when we decide to do a play action, he's able to, uh, to get a, a better sell than probably in training camp and even week one which is important, but now it's, okay, you snap the head and eyes around, you locate that safety, you feel the flat defender, and you make the throw uh, based off of what the, what the concept is. But uh, Coach Filippo does a really, really good job fundamental-wise of working on those guys each day in practice. And I think that you're starting to see uh, from all the quarterbacks that you're feeling that, whether it's play action, movement, screens, drop back, all the timing and footwork is so essential to be spot on in this offense. What about for selling the actual fake? Yeah. Yeah, I would say uh, that was something that in, in training camp uh, we were very aware of. After going through week one in the game, I thought that our ball handling, our ball fakes were just okay, probably a C, whereas I felt like last week it was probably a B plus. I thought it got better because we worked on it. Hopefully this week we can get it. Uh, whenever we decide to play pass, we can be an A or A plus. Yeah, that's the goal is, is making sure that you complete those fakes complete those fakes, sell it. Like, it's important. Sell that stuff. But I think that there is, there's there's something there. I wouldn't be surprised if 
the Bears were able to get a huge play, maybe even a touchdown, off of a crossing route on play action. Like Anthony Miller kind of streaking across and then being able to turn the ball upfield and and making a play on them. When I look at Atlanta, I feel like their strength is on their offense, and I am they have a lot of weapons on offense. Don't let the fact that they've gotten beat and they've given up a lot of points and and they completely gave away the game against Dallas last week. Don't let that trick you into thinking that this Atlanta team doesn't have a ton of firepower because they do. Everywhere I look on their team, on the offense, they have a really good quarterback in Matt Ryan. They have excellent receivers on the outside in Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Now they've got Hayden Hurst, the tight end, to be a part of it. And they added Todd Gurley, who's not the same player that he was when he was with the Rams, but they like to use play action too, and they like to use Gurley to set up play action. I think he's still good enough to cause you problems. The guy that scares me, though, for this particular game is Russell Gage, their slot guy. I love the two guys that they they have on the outside. You know, they'll move guys around. But as their third receiver, in watching the first two games, that's a matchup, him versus Buster Screen. That's a matchup that I'm going to be looking at really closely. On the outside, though, you have the Bears DBs who their corners, Fuller and Johnson, I feel like Johnson got eaten up in the first quarter against Detroit and then settled down and settled down nicely. And Kyle Fuller has just been solid. He's just been solid. Solid to spectacular is what Kyle Fuller has been the last season and a half. It's the matchup that I'm most looking forward to seeing is those Falcons wide receivers versus the DBs. Daniel Jeremiah, who does the Move the Sticks podcast, you can see him on NFL Network. He was on my show, and after giving me a really hard time about the Fernando Tatis trade, we actually talked some ball, and I asked him about Jalen Johnson. Check out what he thinks of the Bears rookie. He was so feisty and competitive and tough at Utah. They just they didn't challenge him. So when people were like, well, what about, you know, where's all this, you know, big production is last year? I'm like, well, they don't throw at him. They, they literally would not throw at him. If you go back and look at him year before, you saw all kinds of plays on the ball. Um, but you've seen it so far with the Bears. I, I do this, uh, you know, top rookies, top uh, eight rookies every week on my YouTube channel. And I had him on week two as, uh, as one of the top performers from what he did in that game. I did not have him on this week, which apparently was not a popular move in the city of Chicago. Uh, but he is—he has played—he has played really well. And again, I, I with corners to me, like the talk about the traits that you're the non-negotiables, like you got to have it. To me, it's competitiveness is that for me. When I look at all the, the corners that I've loved over the years that have played at a high level, um, you know, it's different sizes, speeds, length. You know all that stuff, but the the good ones are ultra ultra competitive, and that's him. He's feisty and competitive. He's going to get challenged on Sunday with the Falcons. There's no doubt about it. He is going to get challenged with the way that that offense can move up and down the field. 
which means it's incumbent upon the, the Bears pass rush to make Matt Ryan uncomfortable. He's not quite a statue. I wouldn't describe him as a statue in the pocket, but he prefers to play in the pocket than outside of the pocket. And if you let him play inside the pocket, then you're in trouble because that means that the protection is holding up. That's given his explosive, dynamic playmakers an opportunity to get down the field. So the Bears need to be cognizant of that. Robert Quinn was an incredible addition in the offseason. I was glad to see him on the field against the Giants, and you saw the difference that it can make. I was looking at the the next-gen stats on pressures, and you look at the pressures that the, the Bears were able to put up. Quinn, Mack, Hicks, in the top three in pressure, and they got a lot of it. They got, I think, 13 pressures in the game against Daniel Jones. That's a lot. And I want to see the same level, if not better, production from the Bears against Matt Ryan. Because if you don't, they've got enough talent to make it bad for you. I trust that while we're talking about rookies, we might as well talk about, on the other side, Darnell Mooney has impressed so far. And it's not like crazy production. It's not like... He jumps off the page from a statistical standpoint. So far, he's only got 74 yards off of six catches, but it's also six targets. So six for six on targets and catches for him. He's averaging a little over 12 yards per catch, and he had that big touchdown. That touchdown that he made where he has to fight for the ball, he's got to position himself in the end zone, and be strong enough to to work through that DB. For a guy who's 5'11 and 175, I remember in the draft, people were like, yeah, this is a top off the defense, dude. And he's slight. You know, he's he's thin. Can he take the physical punishment of playing in the NFL? So far, so good. Small sample, obviously. But he kind of looks the part. He looks like he fits in. J.J. Stankovitz explained to me why that's the case. So what's crazy, Lawrence, is in August, we heard from coaches and teammates about Darnell Mooney that, like, they're telling us back then, this guy does not act like a rookie. Matt Nagy said, or it was either Matt Nagy or Mike Fury, said that the way Darnell Mooney carries himself in meetings is like Allen Robinson, which that is about as high of a compliment as you can pay a young receiver in the NFL. And... You know, I remember talking to Mitch Trubisky about him and he, him saying he's picking up the offense fast. And through all of this, Lawrence, I'm like, all right, let's see it on game day. Like, is this just kind of August, you know, kind of blowing a kid up talk, uh, and then when the season rolls around, he's not going to be what people are saying. But so far, he has backed up all that praise from his teammates and his coaches in a way that has been so impressive that Ted Ginn Jr. is not even active anymore on game days. It's, it's really incredible, and it really speaks to the, not, not just the athleticism and the physical traits that Darnell Mooney has, but the way that he prepares. And, and then you see it in games. I made the comment to uh, my colleague Cam Ellis during the game on Sunday. I was watching it, and I'm like, Darnell Mooney does not look like a rookie out there. He looks like a veteran. And that, that is exactly what we kept hearing from players and coaches 
in the month of August. That's really good to hear. That's strong stuff. And it's another one of those things that bears watching. It's fun to watch a guy grow into an opportunity. I had a conversation with Matt Forte right after the draft because Mooney went to Tulane, which is Matt's alma mater. And I just said, hey, you know how it is. Like, uh, he's a legend at Tulane, and he played for the Bears. So I was like, hey, did Mooney reach out to you? He's like, oh, yeah. I was one of the first phone calls he made after the draft. So he really likes how mature he thinks that kid is in talking to him and talking to him about the NFL game. It's it's hard to get a better endorsement than getting that endorsement from Matt Forte. So let's hope that Darnell Mooney continues to play and and act the part. Let's talk about the guy that he was compared to, though, Allen Robinson. I think it's fair for Bears fans and maybe even Allen Robinson to go, are we seeing him not have his best production because he is still thinking about what's going on with his contract status? I think that's a fair question. I don't know if there's a right answer to it, to tell you the truth. It could be a myriad of things like coverages, but in the interception that happened, you almost never see that ball. You almost never see Allen Robinson lose a strength contest to a DB. He's got strong hands. He's got great will. He works hard, all of those things. If he doesn't come back to form, if a contract isn't signed and he doesn't come back to form, is it fair to wonder if the Bears sabotage themselves? And I don't mean like on purpose, just they're not looking at it the same way from a dollars and cents standpoint as everyone else. And perhaps because they want to make sure that they stay frugal, they might be hurting themselves on the field with a guy who I'm sure looked around the NFL last week and was like, hey, I've already been through this before, and you're seeing guys get hurt game after game after game. The 49ers, almost their most important pieces are getting hurt. So it's another thing for us to continue to chew on and discuss. But as far as my experts go, I want to leave you with this because I don't know if I've ever heard Dan Durkin sound more, have more conviction when it comes to talking about an opponent for the Bears. I think that what his analysis is spot on and I share it. I After doing my own tape review, I share it. But listen to what he said are the keys if the Bears are going to win this game against the Falcons. They've already ruled out um, safety Ricardo Allen. He was having a really poor first couple weeks anyway, so I don't think that that's a big loss. But Kendall Sheffield's not, not going to play. So he's replaced by Isaiah Oliver, who just really struggled last week. Um, Tack McKinley, their best pass rusher, he's on the injury report with the groin. Dante Fowler has an ankle injury. Jake Matthews has a knee injury. Julio Jones has a hamstring. So this team is very banged up. But even at full strength, 
this is not a good defense. I, I think that this team, uh, outside of McKinley, struggles to get to the quarterback on a consistent basis. I, I don't think much of their cornerbacks on the outside. I think that uh, you know Keanu O'Neill is a good player, but I, I think that there are some opportunities for the Bears to make plays outside of the perimeter. But what I'm interested to see with a team that's 0-2 and, and, and has put up some points is, are, are they just going to you know, come out here and just air it out? Because uh, the, the Bears have given up some chunk plays in, in the passing game in, in both the, the first and the second week of the season. So with a quarterback like Matt Ryan, with Ridley, uh, you know, do, are they going to go out here and just like start, start bombing away? I don't see why they wouldn't. They have nothing to lose. This team's 0-2. I think they're better than their record indicates, but um, – you know, I, I think this weekend the Bears have a chance to, to, to pick at what I consider to be a pretty poor secondary, and that will be amplified if McKinley can't go or if he's not at 100%. So should be a, you know, an interesting amount of points score this game. I think this could be like a, a low 30s, high 20s type score, 31-28, 31-27, somewhere around there. So um, I, I don't think much of the Falcons' defense. Offensively, I think that they have a ton of firepower. They have not figured out the run game, but at this point it doesn't really matter. I think that another low-scoring game would probably favor the Bears. That would be the move, even if the offense struggles again to score points, and they haven't scored a ton of points so far this season. That's the move. If you get into a shootout, I have concerns. So what I'm saying is, yet again, it's on the Bears' defense to make plays. It's on them. And the goal of the offense should be to try and keep the ball out of the hands of Matt Ryan. That's how I look at it. The Bears don't score a lot of points. The Falcons do, but they also give up a lot of points. Can the Bears do enough to make it an easy win in Atlanta against a team that I think is – destined to have their coach fired soon thanks for listening to the preview i appreciate it make sure you're following me on twitter at lawrence w holmes is where you can find me i'll do a recap for the score after the game is done i appreciate you and we shall talk on monday at noon on the score oh and my post game podcast if you're wondering is on house of l that's where i do the post game go subscribe to it Give it five stars. There's a lot of good content on there, along with the post-game pod. Appreciate you hanging out with the pre-game pod right here on Loho Daily.